Next. It's me, Cindy. Well, here we are, 2023. And who's hopeful for a kinder, gentler, more social, less risky, less stressful, more fun year? I am. How's it going so far? Meh. I seem to be wrapped up in some malaise or some ennui, two words which I probably can't spell, and for all I know, I'm not even pronouncing right. But blech, another word to define my New Year's state of being. I could spell that. I learned it from Mad Magazine. It's B-L-E-E-E-E-E-E-C-H. They all mean the same. But what exactly do they mean regarding my overall sense of being? Not a great way to start out a year. I know time is a construct, and really we're all living in individual moments that don't really have to be organized into the hours or days or months or years, but we're kind of used to it, and it's kind of hard not to gauge the time going by. Tick, tick, tick. I didn't start this year off like I usually do. I didn't do any of my favorite New Year's Day rituals, didn't write my hopes for the year in my journal, didn't read last year's entry to see if I accomplished any of the goals that I had considered. Oh, except I did help start the new Heart of Riverhead Civic Association, which turned out to be way more interesting and compelling and rewarding than I originally thought it would. But I don't even know if that was in my journal. I didn't even bother to hunt down what shelf or drawer that the most current, if you can call it, that journal was placed last time I opened it, which, if I had to guess, was probably over a year ago now. Honestly, the only record of what I have felt or thought about or struggled with or realized over the past year or maybe more is these podcasts I do. At least I could go back and listen if I get curious. I know I didn't start the year thinking it would be a good time to get a puppy, but I did do that. That's podcast number 88, I think. And so far, it hasn't gone the way I would have thought it was going to go if I had thought anything about it at the start of 2022. Like, I wouldn't have thought she'd be a girl who would eat the legs of the chairs, the chair cushion, the underside of the bed, the couch, the other chair, the one whose cushions are obviously not as appealing or delicious. Plastic containers she can grab from the sink because she is that tall. Kleenex, napkins, paper towels, pretty much anything that is within her reach. She stalks the cats, taunts Ruby by grabbing her collar, her tail, her ears. Really? Come on! I would have thought, as I did when I first saw her darling little puppy self, that she would be an adorable, sweet-natured little thing and fit right into the family. As I'm telling you this, she's just run past me with my sock in her mouth. Yeah, now I have to put away my socks, my shoes, my pants, anything I don't want to become a toy or a snack. So that may be lending to my overall malaise, a dog whose spirit I cannot crush. Okay, I don't want to crush her spirit. I just want her not to torture me and eat all those things that are not intended to be eaten. Here's the thing I admit and acknowledge. The part of having an animal, the unspoken, unwritten bargain is that unless you're really lucky, which I am not, you have to be willing to compromise. You have to be willing to risk the furniture being shredded by cat claws, the vacuum needing to come out very often to suck up all the fur, whatever annoying little habits that interfere with your existence, like how Kebster, the cat, literally stalks my glass of milk when I'm having a meal. And unless I am 100% vigilant, sometimes even having to hold the glass up with one hand while I eat with the other to keep his face or his paw out of it, he will get that milk. He is 100% determined. Admirable in some instances, but not where sharing milk is concerned. Hmm, you know, maybe these animals are impacting on my overall lack of contentment. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just the lingering fallout from last year's merry-go-round of experiences and emotions. An improvement from the flatline Bummerville the first couple of years in pandemic land. 
So from that perspective, 2022 was better. But is he the destroyer who refuses to bend to my will? Oh, and COVID for my birthday? Yeah, that was a surprise. Thanks, universe. Hold on, hold on. I don't mean to be whining or cranky to start the year. My intent was to share with you some ways that I thought maybe I or we, if you need this too, could make 2023 more mm, valuable, fulfilling, happy, ennui-free, blechless. I think it's going to take dialing down expectations, peeling back to the basics, simply appreciating that I am here in this life. And maybe that just has to be enough. What I have, what we all have, and ignoring what we don't. Why leave the door open to disappointment? And with there being no shortage of articles and new books this time of year on how to be happier, more productive, more organized, how to eat healthier, how to get more fit, it's not hard to trip over dozens of guidelines to improve whatever it is you want to improve. So once again, I find myself scanning email subject lines and magazine headlines to see if anything has the potential of being a new way to approach or view the idea of making life better. So far, my favorite is the New York Times seven-day happiness challenge. I haven't gotten to the end of it yet, but it seems it's not so much getting to happiness in those seven days, but learning or looking at ways to influence your emotional well-being. The first day sold me, sucked me right in. It's about taking stock of your relationships, how it's pretty much fact that strong relationships make for a happy life. Taking stock of what you've got can either give you the, ooh, good job me affirmation, or the, uh, gonna have to raise the bar a little. There's a short quiz to see how you're doing. Are you satisfied with the number of close friends you have? Are you comfortable striking up short conversations with strangers? And this one, how many people could you call in the middle of the night if you needed help? That was my favorite, and I think most telling. You need to have at least one, and that person is then most likely your safety net at any hour of the day or night. The second day was also something I loved. It's called the eight-minute phone call, and it really hit home with me because there are so many more people that I would be in touch with more constantly if I had more time to sink into that chair as he keeps nibbling on. Really, it is the best chair, and have a long conversation. But as I go through the day, I rarely have the 30 minutes or more to put my feet up, to sink into the chair, to get on the phone and really catch up with someone, dive deep into what our lives are like and how we're doing in them. So this idea of setting a time limit of eight minutes, well, I guess it's like speed dating, packing all the most important stuff into the front, and then, assuming you both agree that it worked, setting another call for a week or a month or whatever time frame works to do it again. Patty and Adele and I, the former Fabulous Cupcakes, get on a video call every once in a while, and it's always glorious to have that time, kind of face-to-face with them. But the eight-minute thing, maybe doubled because there are three of us, might make those calls more frequent, but every bit is fun. I already really appreciate the people I have connect with and collected in my life. Having good friends is like knowing there's chocolate cake in the next room and you could grab a slice anytime you want or need it. You get what I mean, right? Okay, maybe for me it's chocolate cake, but for you it's like uh, something else, something delicious and wonderful that makes the moment about as good as it can be. Maybe it's something spicy or salty or crunchy, but something that makes you appreciate life. I knew taste buds, but life. You remember my telling you about Lisa and Leanna? I've known them since I was the grown-up and they were 16. Now the age difference between us is nothing at all, but living in different parts of the country, that makes a difference. 
So we've tried to meet up for a couple of days every year or so, and thanks COVID, missed the last couple. We just met for a 48-hour reunion, squeezed in during the holidays, like a gift to each other and ourselves in so many ways. It's hard to put it in words, this collection of feelings, of connection, closeness, history, and always so much gratitude for what we have and that we have each other and that we get to celebrate it together every year or so, barring pandemics. My friendships help remind me to not take anyone or anything for granted. Life is fleeting. Nothing and no one lasts forever. And you never know how or when things will change. Only that everything eventually will. Sometimes it's a powerful tool to use when you get angry or bored or frustrated with work or your relationship or you find yourself cranky and complaining. Oh, is that me? Or it's the middle of the night and you know just who to call because you need someone. Back to the New York Times series. I haven't gotten to day three yet, but I'm sure it's also going to be something that at least gets me thinking and feeling that there's room to brighten the horizon. I think, again, dialing it down away from the things that don't really matter, that what make us really rich is the people we love, people we maybe don't love, but they add to the quality and enjoyment of our lives. Animals, when they're being cute, cuddly, fun, and behaving, for as much as there's a lot to complain about, there's something utterly joyful about life with pets. They're usually happy to see you, demand little but some food, some playtime, and some affection. They're mostly good listeners or just good at faking it, you know, tilting their heads, what? And they're an endless source of amusement. Sometimes I think it's like living with a cartoon or living in a cartoon, which is even more fun. Beyond warm-blooded creatures, having an interest, a hobby, something you can pour your heart and soul into and get some sense of satisfaction, enrichment, enjoyment out of. There are creature comforts, like that piece of cake I'm always talking about, a walk in the woods gazing out to a body of water. I'm lucky because I'm just a few minutes away from the Long Island Sound, the Peconic Bay, even darling little geese-filled Merritt's Pond. Simple things I can do to soothe myself or cheer up. You know, I'm feeling a little soothed and uh, cheered up myself right now. I guess taking stock of what I have and what it means to me can help me feel a little better. So thanks for listening, really. And if you want to listen more, there are about a hundred episodes now. You can subscribe to hear whatever comes next as I just share what I stumble on to make life a little happier and a little better and a little more fun. Here's to plenty of all of that in 2023.